Hi, I'm Joel. And I'm Kit. Join us each month for the Joel Flair Show, a music podcast covering the lives and achievements of your favorite musicians. Well, you know, a lot of my favorite musicians. That's true. Joel's been dominating. But if you have a suggestion for a musician you'd like to hear him cover, be sure to hit him up. Joel Flair, F-L-A-I-R, at yahoo.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Without further ado, today's program. Hello, this is Joe Flair. Welcome to the Joe Flair Show, your monthly music podcast covering the lives of your favorite musicians. Except this month is a little different. My lovely supporting guest Kit and I decided to branch out and cover more than just the lives and achievements of your favorite musicians. Today's episode is still about music as every episode of the Joe Flair Show is. And while consistency is important in podcasting, being a little unpredictable for listeners can keep things fresh. Maybe you'd even say a podcaster has to shock listeners sometimes. And what's a better way to get that shock out of people than talking about ghosts? Yes, you heard me right. Ghosts. Maybe we should have done this for our October show, Joel. And also, you just got done saying we were talking about music, only to turn around and tell the listeners we're talking about ghosts, so what's up? It may sound crazy, Kit, but ghosts are thriving in music today. You might even say they are taking over musicians' notepads everywhere. This month's featured subject is... Ghostwriters! In music, besides the main artist, there are two other groups of writers that exist. These two groups both receive earnings, but their jobs aren't exactly the same. The first main group of writers in music are known as the songwriters, or co-writers. These are people like Bernie Taupin, the man behind the lyrics of Elton John's music. Folks such as Taupin are listed in the credits as having helped write the song. Ghostwriters help with songs too, but there is an important difference. While co-writers are credited publicly for contributing to the song, ghostwriters don't get any public credit. That's all part of the game. According to Merriam-Webster, ghostwriting is writing in the name of another who is the presumed or credited author. Ghostwriters aren't supposed to be known to the listeners. Why hide the true author? Well, fans might question the connection with their favorite artist or lose faith in the creativity of their musician if they learn that the artist isn't writing his or her own lyrics. You might be thinking, this is unethical. If they're working so hard for other people, shouldn't the ghostwriters get credit? And I would say, good question. Ghostwriters agree to create without credit. This is a completely legitimate and potentially lucrative system of business. Ghostwriters have signed on with an understanding of the relationship 
people might think it's all about fame, fame, fame. But sometimes people just want to write without the limelight. Chuck D, lead rapper of Public Enemy, said it perfectly. Quote, not everyone is equipped to be a lyricist, and not everyone is equipped to be a vocalist. Chuck D is an interesting person to quote. Because when I think of ghostwriting, I always think about hip-hop. I bet a lot of people familiar with ghostwriting think of hip-hop too, kid. But these undercover authors have been around longer than you'd probably guess. Mozart, who is widely considered one of the greatest classical composers, was also a ghostwriter, anonymously composing for wealthy clients who hoped to pass themselves off as musically talented. Popular early 20th century actor Charlie Chaplin is credited for composing his movie scores, but you guessed it, they were actually composed by a ghostwriter. However, Chaplin was a helpful fellow. Before handing over the work to a secret writer, don't tell anyone, the writer's David Raxon. Charlie would hum a melody, giving Raxon a vague idea of what he wanted his score to sound like. The Lady of Soul, Aretha Franklin's iconic song Respect, was actually written by R&B singer Otis Redding. So, if I were you, I would show Redding a little R-E-S-B-E-C-T. The group The Supremes, similarly prominent in black 60s girl pop, had ghostwriters create some of their biggest hits, like Where Did Our Love Go? and Baby Love. Coincidentally, these are some of my favorite oldies songs. This may seem surprising, since he is deemed the king, but Elvis Presley, despite receiving co-songwriting credits for many of his hits, never actually wrote a song. This makes a lot of sense, I guess. It goes back to what Chuck D was saying. Some people know how to make a beat. Some excel at creating a hook. Others can put the lyrics together. But even despite having those skills, they may not have the vocal chops. So it would be natural to find someone who could finish the project. Absolutely. Creating music is a group project for sure. But why hide the writers? Well, record labels have quite a few reasons. Often they want to pass off a new artist as a singer-songwriter. Other times, an artist is highly marketable to a certain demographic, but might lack the necessary skills to create their own music. It is also possible that an established artist is pressured to push out more albums, but suffers from writer's block or lack of time. This seems like an ideal situation for a label. Keep an artist on top of the charts with a little unseen help. But things don't always go smoothly. In 1987, Daryl Newdorf was hired by the record label Network Productions, to help write songs for the musical newcomer Sarah McLachlan. Newdorf helped write her album Touch. Its success led to interest from Arista Records. Newdorf and McLachlan joined forces again in 1991, with Newdorf penning material for McLachlan's album Solace. The pair's musical relationship appeared to be pretty smooth sailing up until 1993, when Newdorf filed a lawsuit against McLaughlin and Network Productions, claiming that he hadn't been properly credited for his work on Touch or sufficiently paid 
for Salas. This case was important because credit for the rating on the Touch album would lead to Newdorf receiving higher royalties. And now that McLaughlin's Touch had sold over half a million albums, these numbers would add up. In the end, the judge sided with McLaughlin, claiming that no lyrical ownership by Newdorf was proven. The court did, however, decide that McLaughlin and her label needed to pay for his work on solace. Ghostwriting drama isn't always in the form of lawsuits. Sometimes it comes from exposing a ghostwriter and the popular artist that they work for. The next story didn't result in any lawsuit, but it certainly led to what you might call a beef, which is common slang for a heated argument. Beefs are prevalent in hip-hop. Okay, that would be a fun future episode. Make a note of it, Joel. Famous musical beefs. I can think of a few, and I'm sure you can. Okay, back to your story. The year is 2015, and Robert Williams types furiously on Twitter. His song Rico, a collaboration with Aubrey Graham, had just dropped that summer, but Williams was displeased. Despite the song being a collaboration, Williams didn't feel like Graham was pushing his album hard enough. He took out this frustration by posting to Twitter, revealing that Graham hadn't penned his own verse. His tweet read, Stop comparing my collaborator to me too. He don't write his own raps, that's why he didn't tweet my album, because we found out. Aubrey Graham, known in the public eye as Drake, was being chewed out on Twitter by Robert Williams, a.k.a. Meek Mill. While I was reading about the Drake and Meek Mill beef, which tabloid sites predictably couldn't avoid, since it's all drama, I would argue that Meek Mill was being disloyal. Ghostwriting has been a part of rap since the Sugar Hill Gang, and calling someone out over it kind of reeks of pettiness. A couple diss tracks got thrown back and forth, but the alleged beef turned out fine for both rappers, as Drake's If You're Reading This, It's Too Late, when Platinum and Mills singles All Eyes On You and Rico saw a rise up the Billboard charts. The beef was officially squashed in 2018 when Drake and Mill collaborated again on Going Bad, which became Mills' first song in the Billboard Top 10. Although Drake wasn't happy to get called out, other artists just brush off the accusations. When Puff Daddy was said to have a ghostwriter on his song Bad Boys for Life, he rapped, Don't worry if I write rhymes, I wrote checks. Now, what more could a rapper possibly say? You show him how it's done, did he? Moving away from lawsuits and arguments, did you know that the Notorious B.I.G. wrote songs for Lil' Kim? Or that Jay-Z wrote Still Dre for Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg? In my research, I was surprised to find that CeeLo Green's biggest hit, Forget You, was penned with Bruno Mars. Many popular, iconic artists have employed ghostwriters. I was surprised by a few of these when we were doing our research. But I already knew Dre hasn't been shy about using ghostwriters. After all, he is known as a beatmaker, right? Right. This goes back to Chuck D's earlier comment. Most musical artists have specific skills. Dr. Dre is a beatmaker. 
Another ghostwriter he employed wrote the iconic G-Funk song, Nothing But A G-Thing. The ghostwriter? The D.O.C. The D.O.C. was looking like a promising face in rap music, but an accident severely damaged his voice. Unfortunately, he couldn't really rap anymore, but he could still bang out lyrics. And nothing but a G-Thing, he wrote, like my D.O.C., no one can do it better. Great job with the pat on the back there, D.O.C. I wish I had that confidence when freestyling. Many ghostwriters aren't celebrities or household names. One example is Drake's ghostwriter, Quentin Miller, who was exposed in the Meek Mill beef we talked about earlier. Miller is an example of a rapper who writes his own music, but also ghostwrites for others. Very few people outside the hip-hop community have heard of Partisan Fontaine, a.k.a. Party, the ghostwriter for female rapper Cardi B, and Kanye West. Party's song, Be Careful, was leaked as a demo and picked up by Cardi, a social media star turned rapper. While Partisan's name is on the songwriting credits, he is just one of 17 people listed, making this look like much more of a collaboration track. It's interesting how upfront Cardi and Kanye both were about using Party's lyrics. It seems like there are certain artists, or maybe certain time periods, I guess, that frown upon revealing ghostwriters, and then there are other times when it doesn't seem to need to stay a secret. Do you have thoughts about that? Well, in regards to hip-hop, at least, the focus does tend to change. Sometimes the lyrics are the most important thing, so revealing a ghostwriter could do serious damage to the rapper's career. But at this point, a lot of rap is focused mainly on the beats and the artist's image, with lyrics taking a backseat, so it doesn't seem as important that the artist is writing their own flows. It isn't just the focus that changes over time, but I think it's also important to point out that how we listen to music changes. So back in the day when people bought CDs, they might um, pull out the booklet, check out the liner notes, but now we just stream our music. An article I read had an interesting quote from the ghostwriter Gregory Skyzu Taylor. He said, quote, A lot of times people think, oh, they got credit so they're not a ghostwriter. But you kind of still are if it's not common knowledge that you worked on the record, especially in the digital area with Spotify, where you're not even getting the credits and liner notes anymore. End quote. I think it's safe to say most people assume that the musical artist wrote their lyrics unless they get told otherwise. That's probably true. So even if a writer gets some credit, the public may not realize they were involved. As you heard at the top of the show, ghostwriting is a legitimate job, with the ghostwriters helping kick off or support the careers of music stars. Now, let's talk about how they get paid. Before we begin all this business chat, I want to say a very helpful article from Forbes, Phantom Rappers Inside the Business of Ghostwriting. If you want to read the Forbes article and expand your ghostwriting knowledge, I'll link it in the show notes. Now, let's get down to business. As far as payment goes, well, let's just say hiring a ghostwriter 
is nothing cheap. A ghostwriter can be paid ten to twenty thousand dollars, but some popular rappers will charge fifty thousand per verse. MF Grimm of the hip hop duo MF Doom says he charged one thousand dollars per line or per a bar, as the hip hop community calls it. Grimm was also a ghostwriter for Dr. Dre. A ghostwriter's contract determines how they get paid. While some receive an upfront payment, either in a lump sum, per bar, or per verse, others may negotiate for royalties or an additional payment each time their song is performed. Often, payment comes down to the ability or popularity of the ghostwriter. What makes a ghostwriter good at their job? Well, they obviously need lyrical ability, but it is also important that their creations are believable to the listeners that know the artist. The ghostwriter needs to immerse himself in the world of the artist. How would they write? What would they sing about? I think that this um, point you're making right here is what can really kick off a ghostwriter's career. Being able to get inside of the head of the artist and really understand the image that's being marketed. Oh yeah, this is crucial. If someone writes a baby bar, and then baby comes into the studio the next day and finds out he has to rap about the chronic and being a crip, forfeiting all talk of women and Lamborghinis, I assure you, he'd be upset. People want to feel like the musician wrote their own music. The artist is not the one holding the pen. The ghostwriter needs to write so that the listeners aren't like, Wait, why isn't Snoop Dogg talking about blunts and bitches? According to ghostwriter Smoke Dizza, ghostwriting is, quote, an out-of-body experience to get to learn somebody else. If you think about what Smoke Dizza is saying, you have to understand the style of a musician and not just write for the sake of writing. Sometimes, a ghostwriter might write a particular part of the song, but not the whole song. The flow and style has to work with the flow and style of the artist or co-writer. According to Smoke Dizza, some MCs are just great at writing raps, but they suck at writing hooks, so they might have somebody write them the hook. Basically, even the best of the best are not great on all fronts and will occasionally need help. Sometimes a ghostwriter is an aspiring artist whose bars would work for a similar musician. Shaquan Lewis, otherwise known as Skills, started in the ghostwriting field when a DJ heard him rap, bought two of his songs, and put them on a different artist's album. In the 2000 song, appropriately titled Ghostwriter, Skills dropped a line about musicians he had ghostwritten for who had not paid him his well-due money. The line was blocked out in the song, but an exclusive live version revealed these artists. You can check it out in the show notes after this episode. I don't want to risk slandering these artists. The ghostwriter can be the one to name names. And despite naming names, Skills is still ghostwriting today, making contributions on up to a dozen albums a year. 
Overall, ghostwriting is a tricky business. It requires skill, a commitment to anonymity, and business sense. In the worst cases, payment can be denied, or a ghostwriter may have trouble finding the voice of the artist. In the best cases, ghostwriting might kick off your successful recording career. While some ghostwriters like to stay in the shadows, others use the opportunity to launch their own careers. Ghostwriter Valley got a record deal with Good Music, Kanye West's own label, and alternative R&B star Frank Ocean wrote for Justin Bieber and John Legend. If you are a ghostwriter, you most likely have to learn to live in the shadows and accept that there's a good chance that the public will be disappointed when you are revealed. But the music world wouldn't be the same without ghostwriters, and personally, I am grateful for the work they do. Well, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joel Flair Show. Make sure to tune in next month. Joel has a special holiday surprise, or two, coming in December. Well, until next time, folks. I'm Joe Flair. This is the Joe Flair Show. Bye! You're trying to like squeeze all the sentence out of one place and go like Okay? Breathe. Okay. Aretha's Franklin. Aretha. <laughs> <laughs> How do you manage to pull off the show? Good gracious. Claiming that no lyrical ownership of Newdorf was proven. Maybe it should say by Newdorf. No lyrical ownership. <laughs> <laughs> it requires skill. A com. How do you say? Anonymity. A commitment to anonymity. Okay. Anonymity. Say it. Just say the word. Anonymity. 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 Keeps Repeat after me. Anonymity. Anonymity. There you go. It requires skill, a commitment to anonymity. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> I can't for the life of me get this word. Anonymity. Okay. Anonymity. It requires skill, a commitment to anonymity. <laughs> Why <laughs> can't I say it? Anonymity. 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 Here it is. This podcast is an Elf Pie production. This is the end.